Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This week's episode is sponsored by Wick Realty. Katie Wick and her agents are invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. They've helped us buy and sell the last two houses we've lived in. So if you're in the market for a home, if you're building something new, or if you're looking for investment property, visit wickrealty.com. That's W-I-E-C-K. Today's guest is Carolyn Terrell, who has been the head director of the Amarillo High School Choral Department since 2013. She grew up here in Amarillo. She attended Texas Tech and WT and has taught music education to local students from kindergarten through college. I wanted to talk to her for a couple of reasons. First, I haven't spoken to a working public school educator yet on this podcast, which kind of seems like an oversight. And second, her subject is within the fine arts, which is always under threat for reduced funding in the public school environment. So I, I wanted to hear from her, and I think you'll enjoy hearing her perspective too. So here's Carolyn Terrell. Carolyn Terrell, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I, I know we have a variety of things that we can talk about, um, but I'd, I'd like to start, like I do with most of my guests, just by hearing your story. So how did you end up in this area in the first place? Well, I was born in Dallas, but my parents moved here when I was nine or ten months old. My dad grew up here, graduated from Amarillo High, class of 56. Okay. And he was... Uh, as I'll tell you later, he was the president of Belcanto Choir, the choir that I conduct now. So that was a lot of fun. So I grew up here, and we went away. I went away to college, to Amarillo College, to North Texas, University of North Texas, and also to Texas Tech. My husband was in graduate school at A&M for five years, and then we came back here to Amarillo when I got a job being the assistant choir director at Amarillo High. Was was it part of your plan to come back here, or did you go away to North Texas thinking, okay, goodbye, Amarillo, and, and I'm going to make my way someplace else? Well, I had a little bit of that, uh, because growing up, my parents really enjoyed international travel. We went on a lot of mission trips when I was growing up. We went all over the world. And I guess the first time I went out of the country, I was five years old. And we went wow. on a mission trip to just to the Mex- to Mexico. What we would say, the river. That's we'd go down to the river, and um, that was my first experience with that. And then, starting when I was about ten, and then going through my teen years, we went overseas to different places. And so I enjoyed being other places, but I wasn't trying to get away from Amarillo. You, you know, were one of those kids that was like, I am out of here the earliest. I really I wasn't. I liked it around here. I definitely had a sense of adventure, but I didn't really have some set plans. You know, I wanted to go experience life, but I wasn't really trying to get out of here. As a matter of fact, I went to North Texas as an opera major and uh, then found out, then I was in my first opera, mm-hmm. which I hated. Really? Yes. I just didn't I just didn't like that whole idea. I realized what it would mean for my lifestyle to be a performer and I really didn't want that. Once I saw it, I thought I want a regular life. Mm-hmm. I want to go to bed at 10, not 2 in the morning. 
you know, I, I want to have a more of a stable lifestyle. Once I started seeing really the repercussions of that performer lifestyle, it was not appealing to me. Yeah, that's something I wanted to ask because, you know, if if you end up as a choir teacher, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you like singing, obviously there's a performance element to your your skill set. Mm-hmm. But then you apply that skill set to teaching. Yes. And, and so I, I was wondering, what is the process of deciding, okay, I'm going to go to school to do performance versus I'm going to go to learn how to help other people right. perform? Well, it was, a, it was a heart change for me because I really had not anticipated that at all. I, I sang a lot and performed a lot in high school. I was in a all-state choir, sang at my church. I performed as every chance I got. I went to um, hear operas. I went to hear opera singers. I went to the Santa Fe Opera, the Dallas Opera, the Fort Worth Opera. I got to hear lots of performances. And so I really just thought that's what I was going to do. And um, it wasn't until I went to North Texas, and I enjoyed a lot of things about North Texas, but I realized that wasn't the life for me. And so I came back and went to Amarillo College for a year and a half. And then I went to Texas Tech, still not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I continued with my basics in music, though. The The music track is very rigid. You have to take all these courses in order to graduate all these this very specific set of courses mm-hmm. on this specific timeline. So I stayed with those basics, but I'd never declared myself a music major, really. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. When I got to Texas Tech, I had a class that was an interdisciplinary education class, and it was kind of physical education, art, and music combined, and we had some opportunities to actually work with students. And I completely fell in love with Mm. working with the students. And I didn't anticipate that at all. But I loved it. And I just, when I tell a story, I just say, God changed my heart in a way that I did not anticipate. When did the opportunity to come back to Amarillo happen? I yes. mean, like, when did you know, okay, mm-hmm. this is this is what I'm going to do? Well, we uh, we were at A&M, and my husband was going to graduate school. And was I, he from here? Yes, he's okay. from here as well. And so our families were here. But we, we really hadn't anticipated coming back here. Um, necessarily. Um, And so we were in College Station. I was teaching in Bryan ISD. I taught elementary school for three years, and then I was a middle school assistant middle school choir director at that time. And do you remember Danny Hood from Amarillo High School? I know the name, yes. Okay, so when Danny Hood, the legend, uh, retired, his assistant, Susan Hendricks, moved up to the head position, and they were looking for an assistant choir director And since I was from the area, I knew a lot of those directors, and they said, who who might you know that, you know, may be able to do this job? And they said, how about Carolyn? And so so they just gave me a call, and I came up, and it was the summer of 1997, and I came up and interviewed, and we just kind of thought uh, it was a good opportunity. I want to ask about the role of choir in a high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have kids that uh, they're into sports or they're into band. Um, choir is, you know, within the, the same kind of specialized type Definitely. of category. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you know, why and how it benefits a high school student to get involved in something like that, that, that they might spend, you know, four years pursuing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, 
I'm a music educator, and I've done it from the kindergarten through up to college level of teaching. So I think one of the most important roles of music in a school is it really affects the culture of the school. I was the music teacher at Puckett Elementary, for example, for nine years, and one of the things that's so interesting about my job is that I have every single student in the school comes to me. And I have them for five years, mm-hmm. or in this case now that kindergarten has music, for six years. And so I get I have a very unique relationship as opposed to the other teachers that they just have for one year. They might have them for a year. Right. Yeah. I have them the whole time. I, I have their siblings. I I get to know their whole family. And so... When I have that kind of relationship, which is wonderful, by the way, I love it. So what I do really influences the whole culture of the school. You know, if I have a good attitude, if I have a want to try something new, if I want to make this initiative and put it out in the front, everybody's on board. You know, I mean, it changes the school. It affects the school. Um, Conversely, if I have a negative attitude, if the choir room or the music room is a place that's scary, if it's a place that's not peaceful or it's not joyful, that affects the whole culture of the school. And so when you look at it that way, it becomes an incredible opportunity to really have a positive impact on the school. So in choir, these kids, I, I lots of them I have for four years. Some of them I had at Puckett. I have quite a few graduating now that I've had since they were in first grade. Wow. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. I just got finished writing some college recommendation letters for students that I've known since they were six. Wow. You know, and so you can say, I have known this kid for 12 years. Yes, and I've seen this kid really grow and change and develop their skills and become confident, you know, become joyful in their music. So in high school, um, it's a tough time, you know, and some days, especially when I was teaching middle school, you know, sometimes I'd look at a student, I'd think, man, his mother doesn't even like him. I can (laughs) like him for 52 minutes, you know, I can do this. Yes. And, uh, and so a lot of those kids are having trouble. They're in difficult times. They're in, you know, a personal upheaval. And so it's really great to be able to be there for them and give them something they look forward to in their day, something that gives them an emotional outlet, something that, like you said, you know, there's different teams. I do think of myself a lot of times as a coach yeah, because this is our team, this is our choir team, and the culture of that team is extremely important to the success of that team. And so we do social activities, lots of different activities like that. We have uh, officers that write birthday cards to the students, and we try to develop relationships across grade levels and also within the choir because that's just going to, I mean, you know this for any kind of team. You know this for a team in the workplace. You know this for a basketball team. You know, if you know each other well and you get along well, that just leads to more success. And it also, it fosters this security that people have so they'll take risks. One of the most important things I see about my job is growing humans, Mm -hmm. you know, helping humans to grow, to reach their potential, to realize what they can do. And if you don't have a 
good, supportive, secure environment, they're not going to take risks. And they have to take risks in order to grow. They have to. They And they have to feel comfortable enough to take a risk. And so, you know, I want to have that environment where they feel comfortable enough to do that. Singing is extremely vulnerable. Yes. Extremely vulnerable. More vulnerable than anything else, I would say, because if you are playing a sport, you're not looking at the audience. You're looking at the ball. You're looking at the other team. You're looking at the goal. You're looking at the basket. If you are playing an instrument, you're looking at your music. You're sitting in a chair behind a stand with an instrument in your hands. But when you're singing, you're out there. You're putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there and making yourself very vulnerable. And so starting in elementary school, you know, you start trying to have the children sing by themselves, sing for each other and, and validate that, encourage that and encourage them to just try, try, keep trying, try something else. Try playing this instrument. Oh, you got a ukulele for Christmas. Great. Bring it in and play me a song. Oh, you don't have a song? Let's go to the internet and find you some chord sheets. There's just, I just want to encourage them to try new things. You know, that's one of the things we do at Sandy Review. You know, I, the show is made up of the students' acts. Right. And so I don't dictate those acts. And it's like, it's a, a variety show that's not even just singing. There's some students who play instruments. There's you know, right. other elements of yes. it. That- it's a big variety show that we do every year. And I say, you know, we have a time limit. I say group acts are better than solo acts. I give them some parameters to work within. But basically, I say, this is your show. What do you want it to be like? What do you want to come see? What do you think is interesting? And, um, and they really step it up. Um, but if they don't feel comfortable, they won't do that. You know, they won't feel it's very risky because we only take probably a third of the acts that try out. But I always am so pleased by the efforts that they make, even when they don't make the show necessarily. I love getting to hear them sing by themselves. I love getting to see what they care about because Mm -hmm. that's what they're putting out there. I want to ask about the value that it provides because, you know, there's, there's always talk about funding of the arts and, you know, whether a child in a drawing class or a kid in choir, if, if that's going to benefit their education, you know, whether money should be going towards calculus classes. Right. And, and a lot of your students may enjoy their time in choir, but they're not going to be singers or performers or right. choir teachers, sure. you know, when they grow up. So what does that safe place to take risks, what does that give them, you know, as they're moving on into adulthood? I think it's something, well, and this is, there's actually statistics that bear this out, that involvement in the arts, especially in a team type situation of being in band or choir or orchestra, gives them a lot of personal self-confidence that they didn't have before. It gives them that feeling of community and working with people, getting along with people. This is huge. It's an ensemble, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which is a big group project. And so you have to listen to other people. You have to get along with the other people. You have to say, well, I think we should get louder at this part, don't you? Well, I think we should get softer. Okay, let's negotiate this, you know, things like that. And so it's those team building skills, and then it's the responsibility skills of this is my part in this ensemble. I need to have it learned. I need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. I need to take care of my voice, my instrument. And then there's just that whole feeling or sense of community 
that's there that's desirable. You know, it, it makes it fulfilling. It, it make, gives you joy, and that makes you more confident, <laughs> you know, and, and all those things working together. Plus, there's statistics that bear this out, too. For example, in the Texas All-State Choir, um, the average score of the Texas All-State Choir for the SAT is about 120 points higher than the really? state average. And so it's, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but you can look it up. Yeah, on the there, There's t- on an the, educational impact. Yes, absolutely. And you know, some people say, is it the smart kids that do music or is the music help them be smart? And I would say both hmm. because... Some of the times the smarter kids are more motivated, maybe, to do hard things. And sometimes those are challenging things. But I think there's definitely the relationship of, you know, when you're reading a note, when you're singing, for example, you're thinking about your posture, your mouth shape, your breathing. You're thinking about the language you're singing. You're thinking about the duration of the note, the pitch of the note, the volume of the note. All those things you're thinking about at the same time. That is not easy. Right. And so the music that we do is college-level repertoire, and it's very challenging. But they're reaching this. And some of those students are not necessarily as advanced in the classroom, but they are excelling in this area, and that I think that feeds off each other. You know, uh, I want to ask about that challenging nature of it, because when, when you think about, let's say, other things that a kid might do in school— you can teach a kid to tackle on the football field. Mm-hmm. You could teach a kid, you know, with enough practice to maybe play the violin or to play the trombone or something. But you can talk to adults and they will say, oh, I can't sing. Oh, that makes I me sad. I absolutely can't yes. sing. I could never sing. There's there's this, this idea that either you've got it or you don't mm-hmm. and you can't really learn how to do it. So mm-hmm. tell me how you teach... Well, that to some of your kids who right. maybe think, oh, I'm not a singer. That's one thing I really loved about teaching elementary is that you really got to be there at the very beginning and say, no, you can sing. You can sing. I've had thousands of students. This is my 26th year of teaching. I've had thousands of students, and I've only had a handful, literally maybe three or four, that had such a hard time matching pitch. Hmm. And when we st- what we do is we start with what they can match. So I'm on the piano and I'm playing some pitches and I'm finding where their speaking voice is mm-hmm. and I try to see if they can match the pitch that I'm playing on the piano with their speaking voice. You know, you have a tenor voice. Yes. Um, so I would start you around an A below middle C and I'd just play that note and you say, can you sing that? And they can. And then I'd just go a little up and a little down. I'd ascending just a little bit, descending a little bit, and see if they how far they can go. So you work within. Basically, it's just, just like working out anything else. You start with what they can do, and then you build on, build on that. And like I said, I have in my thousands of students, maybe three or four, that, that couldn't go beyond maybe four or five notes. Okay. And then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you've had students that have you know, come up through your program and gone on to sing at really high-profile repertories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Broadway and, and, you know, New York City, places mm-hmm. like that. So tell me about some of the successes that you've seen and, and kind of what that means to you as a teacher. Well, you know, I love that some of the students go on and are 
famous, sort of. That's mm-hmm. fun. But it's also really fun when I hear about someone that is 35 and they're still singing in their church choir. Okay. You know, that I consider that a success, too. because Just that they're still yes, doing it. Yes, that they're still singing. And that's the beauty of the singing. I always when I'm talking to students that are maybe freshmen or sophomores and they say, well, you know, I'm really getting busy. I I really want to focus on my tennis. And, and so I'm going to drop choir and one rolled ankle later, they're not playing tennis anymore. You know, one torn, torn ACL and they're not playing, you know, ball anymore. And, and I wish that they would stay with singing because it's something you can do through your whole life. Even with an injury. Absolutely. Well, all the way, your entire life, your literally your entire life, you can still sing. And so I, I encourage them to stay with that. So, but I have had students. Um, it's always great when I have students that become music educators, that's really wonderful. Right now I have a few that have student taught with me that are teaching and even in Amarillo and that's fun because I was gone from Amarillo High for a while I didn't have some people that are successful right now weren't my students but a student that I had a long long time ago is a songwriter in Nashville and then we've had some students right now that are opera majors and very successful in Boston and Oklahoma City and my daughter is a director of the BRH choir at Baylor that's really fun that she's getting to see her do that. There are people that are participating in choirs and even conducting choirs that weren't necessarily music majors, and that's fun. And, of course, this is a wonderful career for me, but it's not for everybody. Right. You know, and that's the thing. You don't have to necessarily be a music educator to enjoy this. You don't have to be a professional. This is something you can do for your whole life to bring you joy and be part of a community. And that's something I forgot to mention earlier is that the leading indicator of success in high school is not grades or economic status or even parental status, you know, uh, it's it's being involved in something. Hmm. And you mentioned joy. I mean, it, it strikes me that, that you could be, let's say your group is the basketball team or the football team. That's a lot of fun, but then you lose, and sometimes it's not much fun. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's been in choirs, I mean, I, I know that when you're on stage and you're singing with a group, that's just inherently mm-hmm. joyful. That's a part mm-hmm. of it. And you're not going to have like a big defeat in a choir concert. You might not do as well right. at a competition, but it's still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you're able to do is to give students a place that they belong, but also a place that you know you can kind of let go of stress for a while. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not just about the game or the concert. It really is the, the, you know, sorry for sounding a little trite, but it is that journey. It's the day to day. I'm getting better today. I'm learning this today. I'm singing with my friends today. Isn't this great? You know, I'm making music today, every single day. And, uh, my music minister at church, because he's my choir director, um, one thing we talk about is, you know, we're having worship every Wednesday night, not just Sunday morning from 11 to 11.30. You know, every time we're singing together, we're worshiping, and it's the same kind of thing. This is joyful every time we get together, and we sometimes it's the grind, you know, when we're working on something really hard, but it's still so satisfying and energizing to be doing something together, you know, to just throw our hearts in it together and work on it. It's just very rewarding, fulfilling. 
you mentioned the the worship aspect. I know that you're part of a group that is planning a citywide women's conference uh, that's taking place. Tell me, tell me about that. I'm helping to lead worship for this conference. The conference is called Refuse to Quit, Moving Forward in Faith, and it's a citywide women's conference we're having at the end of March, March 29th and 30th, and it's going to be at Polk Street United Methodist. Um, Is this something that's happened before, or is this a new thing? This is actually something that we've done every other year. Okay. I think this is our this is the fourth time we've done it, and we've done it every other year. I've been involved in the past three times. And it is so much fun. It is one thing that I really love, probably just just under music, um, is this community-wide mm-hmm. things, these interdenominational things. I love it. And this is, so many churches are involved with this. It's at Polk Street, but there are Presbyterian, Christian, Lutheran, you know, all kinds of churches involved in this. And so it's a women's conference, and we're having um, an author, Nikki Corsiar's coming, and she has a book out. She has several books out. And so she's going to come and speak, and it's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. And one of the neat things about it is that it is citywide, interdenominational. All women of all ages are welcome. Um, most of the women who are helping to organize it are retired. Okay. And they are amazing. They are amazing. They do so much work for this community. They don't sit around. They get busy and help support so many activities in Amarillo. But anyway, um, so we are working on that, and um, we have kind of an a group from women all over the city that are making up our praise band, and uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that's one of the places that, that I guess people can really get siloed is is in church. That yes. You go to the same church week after week, and your church is not anything like the Methodist church down the street right. or you know the Episcopal church down the street. Mm-hmm. And so we, we tend to sort of isolate ourselves mm-hmm. into these bubbles. Yes. Um, and, and so the idea of having a citywide worship service that brings together people from, from all these different traditions is regardless of you know what's actually talked about, it's just beneficial to get people in the same exactly. room. Exactly. And it's beneficial. We plan this for two years before it happens. And so we have monthly meetings. So it's not j- like I was talking about rehe- worship time and rehearsal and things like that. It's not just the event that's great. It's everything leading up to it. All this planning that we do together on this meeting, praying together and working together that we do. It's wonderful for just building those connections between these churches and between our different communities. And um, I love it. And it's beneficial to our whole city to have these kind of things that put us together, pull us together. I want to ask about Amarillo as a city um, and a place where, you know, you grew up but but maybe didn't know if you were going to stay or come back or anything like that. You've ended up, as you said, with, you know, more than two decades of, of teaching experience in this community. Tell me what Amarillo has come to mean to you, you know, as, as not only the place where you live and, and work, but just all the ways that you've been involved. There are so many wonderful things about Amarillo. It's, it's a hidden gem, in my opinion, um, you know, we're, we're so kind of isolated. You know, there's really 200 miles to get anywhere different. I mean, I guess Lubbock, but Lubbock is similar in culture to us in a way, except we're vastly superior. I should mention that. Um, not really, but... but it's probably a fairly <laughs> common opinion here, I think. I think it is. Um, but I think one of the things about Amarillo that's so great is, is the arts community. It is 
amazing for a city of our size and isolation to have the talent that we have here. It's incredible. And to have the privilege of working with those people is just wonderful. We just, uh, you know, I get to work with, I've worked with Jim Gardner, the Juilliard graduate, Sean Vokes, one of the ministers at Hillside, is a phenomenal pianist and flutist. Mary Jane Johnson, of course, mm-hmm. she is such a delight to work with and such a professional. And that's just to mention a few, you know, um, Nathan Frimmel, who's the new choir director at Amarillo College, graduate of USC, outstanding talent and a wonderful human, just amazingly talented people around here. It's just a privilege to be around them. And of course, when we get together and we get to do things together, the Amarillo Master Chorale, the, the symphony projects, it's it's really so valuable to our community. Again, bringing people together and unifying our city. Um, that's one thing that's so fun. You know, a couple of years ago, I really enjoyed doing the July 4th program downtown. Mm-hmm. We had a choir sing and... Devlon Jones sang so such a wonderfully talented fella and and Sylvanius he always plays for the beginning of the community prayer breakfast that's another wonderful thing that I've been involved with is the community prayer breakfast another thing that music brings us together prayer brings us together you know regardless of religious affiliation you know and and those projects bringing the community together is just wonderful i'm on the baccalaureate committee that's for all four high schools we get to work with students from all the four high schools planning that baccalaureate service and they do it really we're just they do it all we just kind of give them little nudges and guidance if they need it but uh they they're they're a phenomenal group of students, and they do a great job. But that's another thing where I get to know the students from the other schools and work with them. It's it's so wonderful. I enjoy it. I think that fine arts community in Amarillo is so strong, and I didn't realize that when I was living else until I lived elsewhere. And I saw that these other places where I lived really didn't have that community of supporting the arts. And... And such a far reach, you know, it's not just the people who are at WT and AC that support the arts. It's all across the board. People from the medical community, people from uh, the schools, people from, you know, all kinds of different areas all support the arts and are active in the arts. And that just makes for a wonderful community. This week's episode of Hey Amarillo is also sponsored by SKP Creative. These days, social media is an essential part of running a business and connecting with customers. But it can be more than a little tricky to figure out on your own. SKP Creative develops data-driven communication strategies to help your business grow and thrive. For a free social media evaluation, visit skpcreative.com. SKP Creative. Make it happen. And just a little personal log rolling, I've got a really loyal listener base with thousands of you downloading and listening to this podcast every month. But I'd love to keep growing that audience. And so here's how you can help me do that. Number one, review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts or even on the Hey Amarillo Facebook page. Number two, follow the show on Instagram. That's at Hey Amarillo Podcast or like our Facebook page. Number three, share the show's weekly Facebook posts where I introduce the guest and talk about the episode. All of these things help other people discover the show. That's it. Thank you.
I appreciate that you listen. Okay, I'm back with Carolyn Terrell of Amarillo High School. Carolyn, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer those questions in whatever degree of detail you want to. Okay. I guess you could sing them if you want, but um, (laughs) you don't have to. Um, The first one, what's your favorite song for your student choirs to sing? Now, I've not asked that to any other guest. This is special for you. (laughs) But do you have like a favorite song? Well, uh, I just can't pick one. Uh, It's so hard to pick one. Sometimes it's whatever song that I'm doing right now. Okay. That's what I absolutely love. We are going to sing a song for contest this year that's called Sing Me to Heaven mm-hmm. by Gothrop, G-A-W-T-H-R-O-P. And it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And we sang it about six years ago. We sang it five years ago, and we're singing it again. I sang it with women five years ago, and we're singing it with the mixed group this year. What do, what, why do you like that song? Is it the melody? Is it the interaction between the different <laughs> You listen to it voices? and you will know. Okay. Uh, I don't it, know it. So I know. I... It's, a, it's a cappella choral piece, and the text is magnificent. And that's the, you know, I love words. I love poetry. But when you have that poetry supported and illuminated by the music, mm-hmm. it's it's just transcendent, you know. It's just so beautiful, and this particular song has a special uh, memory for me because we sang it. Um, my father passed away on the day of contest, oh, um, wow. April ninth in uh, twenty fourteen, and we sang this song. And so I got to play him this song actually when he was in hospice on the night he died, and it was a really. I know he loved it, and. Sing me to heaven. It's just, it's just a, it's an iconic song. It's a really beautiful song. Your your students are singing, you know, like you said, complex pieces. Mm-hmm. And, Very complex. You know, sometimes old spirituals. Sometimes they are in another language. You mm-hmm. know, but do, do your students resonate with the music itself? I mean, the words and singing old songs as opposed to like you know some acapella version of a top 40 hit right. I mean do they do well they get we do into that too you right. know we do that too so we we do that but it's funny because I was just talking to a student not too long ago and we're we just finished our Sandy review which is our pop show mm-hmm. our variety show and this student said have you picked out the contest music yet and I said well I'm still working on it but I have some ideas he goes I'm ready I said me too <laughs> I'm ready to be done with the candy and sink my right. teeth into so they the don't, steak. they don't necessarily want it to be all no they really don't in high school Mm -mm. but they're okay with the. they love it i remember last year i had a student who loved uh one of these one of these songs in particular it was it was a song called good night dear heart and that's actually um a poem written by samuel clemens and it's on the tombstone of his daughter who died at a young age and so it's a wonderful poem and so the girl comes into class she's be bopping with her headphones in, you know, and she says, uh, and I'm at the door saying hi. She takes her earphones out and said, "Listen, Miss Terrell, she's listening to that wow, song on her on her phone, you know, on her whatever earphones." So they do, they love it. Cool. What's your favorite Amarillo restaurant? This is hard because I go to Girasol Cafe okay. and Roosters mm-hmm. almost weekly. Pretty much weekly. I love both of those places. Um, 
love love the people that run them, love their food. Um, but I really love El Teavon, uh, the Mexican food restaurant. Really love that too. And El Teavon is not in the Amarillo High area, no. whereas the other ones are. Well, you so. know, I went to Tascosa. Well, and so you go to the the close to Tascosa one. Yes, the the one that. One that's by Tascosa uh, used to be a Shakey's Pizza. That's right. That's where I met my husband. So is it really? Yeah, Shakey's. Okay. Old time Amarillo people yes. will remember. <laughs> what does this area have too much of? You know, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I thought about it, and I just couldn't come up with an answer for that. Um, too much. I don't know. Give me some examples. Well, a lot what do of people you say wind was pretty. Oh, common. that a lot kind of, people of thing. Say oh, we have dirt. too much construction oh. right now on the roads. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but you know, I, I get a lot of different answers. Well, the construction that doesn't bother me. That's progress. I'm I'm happy about that. That's employed people, and it'll be better. It'll it'll be great after a while. Um, but a lot of dirt. The dirt gets old. That's, it's not. It's not great for your singing voice. No, as a matter of fact, it it really wrecks my singing voice to have that blowing dirt. It, okay. that's hard. But what does this area not have enough of? Well, yeah. If then in that same vein, it would be nice to have a little bit more rain, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more moisture, because the dry air really is hard on my voice. We have humidifiers at home, and I just I drink a lot. I drink so mm-hmm. much every day just to try to stay hydrated your vocal cords are some of the last things when you are hydrated to get hydrated it takes a long time to get to those tissues you know they're not vital and so your body uses the water in all kinds of ways before it goes to your vocal cords so um but i think one thing that would be nice is if we had more music venues that were teenager or kid friendly okay more family friendly because i love all the venues that are down on sixth street for example but you know where can you take your 12 year old to yeah. hang out sometimes you know? it's a 21 and over right right so that would be i would love to have that and i would also love that for my students to have venues where they can play and sing it's not an answer i've i've had before so <laughs> good job with that how do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? We covered this a little bit, but you know, you're you're traveling, you're taking your choir to state, I mean, something like that. How do you talk about Amarillo? Well, when I was trying to get um, my choir assistant to move up here, I was kind of selling Amarillo, and I said Amarillo is not a really necessarily a Southern culture. It's more of a Western culture mm-hmm. to me. It's more of a it matches up more with Colorado than it does with. Louisiana in its culture, in my in my I, opinion, I think that's accurate, yeah. and so it's kind of a um, it's a risk taking, exciting culture here, I think, and and but the main selling point that I would say to people is the the wonderful opportunities here of the fine arts and how you can participate or just attend these events. But we have so many more things to do here than you would think. You know, I personally love, I love the outdoors. I love being able to be so close to the mountains and, um, you know, to just be able to go to Colorado or New Mexico so quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. And most people don't think about Texas being like that. And also having the the canyon here and the mountain biking and the hiking and things like that, it's really fun to have that available. Speaking of the Western culture, when was the last time you went to the Big Texan? You know, 
Remember how I said that I had went, went on mission trips when I was growing up? Mm-hmm. One Another thing that my parents did is we always had people come and stay with us. Not for a long time like a foreign exchange, but it was some other kinds of programs where we would have people from other, other countries come and stay with us for a week, a week at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All through my growing up. And so we always took them to the Big Texan. But I haven't been in a long time. So not since I think I days? haven't been. Well, one time about maybe almost 20 years ago, we had our choir banquet at the Big Texan in, back in the back in okay. one of their big rooms there. So I think that might be the last time that I went. All right. Um, yeah. I, w- I should, I should try that. Free on your birthday. <laughs> you should at least go on your birthday. There you go. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? You know, you got to love those streets in Wolfland. Okay. Hayden. South Ong. Those are beautiful, beautiful Big streets. trees, mm-hmm. brick pavers. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful over there. Okay. But right. I do love my, I love, I love my neighborhood where I live, though. What what neighborhood do you live in? In Puckett. In Puckett, okay. Mm-hmm. Near Amarillo High? Mm-hmm. Are you more likely to go to a coffee shop drive through or a drive through for iced tea? Like I said, I am very well hydrated. Mm-hmm. I'm a heavy drinker, so in the when it's cold, a I, heavy drinker in terms of like in terms of hydrating uh, liquids, hydrating liquids, not, <laughs> uh, shooting whiskey. Or no, no, definitely cold. not. That is not good for your voice. Alcohol is very drying for your voice, so no, I avoid that. But um, I like to go through if I'm going through a coffee drive-through roasters. Okay. I love it. And if I'm going through a tea drive through water still. But I do drink both. In the cold weather, I go for that coffee. And in the hot weather, I go for the tea. Well, that concludes uh, the eight straight section. Carolyn, I like to end by asking my guests to endorse something related to the area. So mm. what's something, and you know, we talked about the women's event and, and a variety of things, but what's something that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? One thing that I would suggest is that they attend one of the symphony concerts. Okay. You would be just blown away at the quality that they have in the Amarillo Symphony. And within the symphony, when the master chorale or or there's a choral group with their, you know, coming up with a collaboration between them. Um, Hearing anything in the Globe News Center is it's really fun to go, and it's a it's a very nice venue. That's that's something that I would encourage people to do that maybe not anybody has done, um, and get out to the Powder Canyon. Okay, because it's just gorgeous. And you know how long has it been since they've been you've been out there? You need to give it a try. Well, that's a question I ask pretty regularly. <laughs> All right, well, Carolyn Terrell, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks. It was fun. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to SKP Creative and Wick Realty for the sponsorship and to Carolyn for the interview. Follow this podcast on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at Hey Amarillo Podcast, as I mentioned earlier, where I always post photos of me with my guests that I take after or during these interviews. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can visit patreon.com slash Amarillo. That helps me keep producing this show for free week after week. Executive producers of Hey Amarillo include Criselda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Jennifer Callahan, Corey Burns, Daniel Davis, Wilson Lemieux, Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, and Wes Reeves. That, uh, that list keeps growing each week, and I'm super grateful for it. Thank you for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.